it seems like the gold standard for a food blog is when you can qualify for an ad network. And of course, you want to monetize your hard work and continue generating revenue from your past content. But there are many other ways to monetize a blog. Whether you're looking for ways to earn money before you qualify for an ad network, or you're looking to diversify your income streams while you are also generating ad revenue, these ideas are going to help you open your mind to the possibilities and ways to diversify your revenue streams. Hey friend, I'm Madison Wetherill, a web designer and branding strategist for food bloggers and your host for the Vine podcast. This show is all about supporting you as a food blogger as you grow your business. I'll share tips for designing your business and your website with intention so that you can build a blog that fits into your life, not consumes it. You'll hear tips for connecting with your audience, growing your blog, and tips for managing and designing your website, all in short, easy to consume and actionable episodes. If you're ready to think differently about the strategies and tactics that you need to grow your food blog, you are in the right place. I'm so excited that you're here, friend. Let's get started. Welcome back, my friends. I am so excited to be chatting with you today about diversifying revenue streams because I think this is so applicable no matter what stage of food blogging you are in. Whether you have just started a food blog and you are you know, waiting patiently to be able to qualify for an ad network, or if you are an established food blogger and you're looking to limit the risk that you have with having all of your eggs in one basket by relying solely on an ad network for your income. Now, I want to have a quick disclaimer before we dive into this episode that, in my opinion, you are always going to have a dominant amount of your income be through ad revenue. Most of our clients that I have worked with over the past eight years now have had the majority of their income coming from ads. I have seen some clients, we have one right now that we're working with, where she has a pretty even split between her ad revenue and digital and physical products that she sells. But I would say for 90 plus percent of food bloggers or bloggers in general, you're going to see that most of them are relying heavily on their ad revenue. Affiliate marketing probably comes in next from that. But I say that all all to say that most likely as you look to diversify your revenue, what you're really doing here is looking to have pockets of income in other ways so that you aren't having 100 percent of your ad revenue Um, or of your revenue coming from ads. So I want to say that quick disclaimer before we jump into this episode, but just excited to be able to share some ideas that I have with you guys of different ways that you can monetize your blog. Now, before we dive into the meat of this episode, I got a little ahead of myself with this quick introduction. I always love to start these episodes by just saying welcome and hello, and I'm so excited that you have found this podcast, whether it is your first time listening or you have been a longtime listener. I am just thrilled that you are checking out this podcast episode. I hope that if you enjoy it, you will share it with a friend so that we can share this information with other food bloggers because there are so many different secrets and things that you can learn from other food bloggers. And at the end of the day, everybody is going to have their own path to success. So I believe in just sharing knowledge and helping other food bloggers to grow. Now, if we haven't met, my name is Madison Wetherill. I am the founder and CEO over at Grace and Vine Studios, where we specialize in building brands and websites for food bloggers who are truly looking to step outside of the crowd. They are trying to create something that looks unique and is unique to their own personal brand in this crowded sea of food bloggers. And we absolutely love working with clients who are looking to do just that while also scaling their impact and making a difference in their lives and in the lives of others. So if you're ever curious about how we work with clients, you can head over to graceandvinestudios.com and click on the services tab to learn more. 
Now on another quick business note, I mentioned last week that we have a brand new offer and it is off and running. Our crafted website package is our new way of serving food bloggers who are not quite ready for a custom website, but they are truly tired of using the same theme as everybody else and they want to craft a unique website experience for their readers. So if you are looking to break away from pre-made themes and create something unique without sacrificing SEO or site speed or design, we would love to chat with you. You can head over to our website and fill out the contact form and we will send you more information or you can head over to Instagram and message me at Grace and Vine and I will send you all the details that you need. We are just so excited about this package and what we're able to do for our clients who are choosing to work with us in this way. We have so many custom add-ons that you can add for your brand to really take this to the next level. So I would just love to chat with you if you are looking to refresh your website in the next few months. Now on a quick personal note, before we dive into the meat of this episode, I always love to just share a little bit behind the microphone, if you will. And I've noticed over the last week or two that this shift in the season, as we are kind of heading into fall in Arizona, which is not much of a fall, but it is not 115 every single day. So with this shift in the season, it is really getting my creative energy going again. And I'm just excited to try new things. I feel myself desiring to go on more hikes and be outside more as it cools down. And this fall in particular, I am really trying to talk myself out of trying to start a garden because I've tried to start a garden many times in the past. I'm not a very good gardener. So if you are a gardener, I would love to chat with you. Head over to Instagram and DM me because I would love to know your tips and maybe you can talk me into taking the plunge and getting more into gardening this fall. Okay, friends, we are ready to dive into today's topic which like I said, is all about diversifying revenue streams. And I truly mean this to be educational in the sense of whether you have ads or not. These are just different ways that you can diversify things because when you have all of your revenue coming from one stream, that is a risk. And even though I don't believe that ads are going away anytime soon, we are seeing shifts in the industry that tell us that there are some things that could change about ad revenue. And so in the meantime, while we're waiting to figure out what those changes are going to be, this is an excellent time to start thinking about other revenue streams that you want to add into your business. So the very first thing that we're going to go over is just what other options are there? Let's think beyond ad revenue and beyond ad networks, and let's just think about what other ways we can draw revenue into our business. So I'm going to go through eight different types of revenue that you could potentially add into your business. It probably goes without saying that I do not recommend trying to add all of these at once, but maybe just take one of these ideas, the one that stands out the most to you, and see what you could do to implement this into your business in the next quarter or the next six months. Some of these are going to be quicker wins than others. Some of these are going to take a little bit of time to really build this out as a revenue stream in your business. So the very first one that I wanna talk about is brand partnerships. Now this is probably not new news to anyone, Brand partnerships certainly were very popular and common a few years ago, really before a lot of bloggers were qualifying for ads and kind of shifting into that way of making revenue. But brand partnerships don't always have to mean just sponsored blog posts. There are so many ways to work with different brands these days from sponsoring an email campaign to doing social media content or even doing content creation for the brand itself. So I want you to kind of 
put aside whatever preconceived notions you have about working with brands to open your mind to different ways that you might be able to partner with a brand. I want you to think about which part of food blogging is your absolute favorite part. Is it photography? Is it writing? Is it developing recipes? Those are things that you can already love doing and then partner with a brand to do those things. Now, there's a couple of benefits to doing those types of things and that type of contract work with a brand. First of all, if it's for their brand, you are not having to worry about the promotion and, you know, trying to make sure it's keyword friendly and all of those things. You are able to be in a little bit more of a creative space because you don't have to worry about those types of things for their brand. Unless, of course, that's something that they want you to do. But in general, I think you'll find that you're able to be a little bit more creative in what you are creating for a brand because it is a little bit outside of the scope of your own business. Something else that you might find is that you are a little bit less in your head when you're creating content for a brand than you would for your own blog. I know for me, when I'm creating recipes or even writing for my own blog, it's so much harder for me to be open-minded to different topics or different, you know, avenues of what I want to do because I'm just so close to my brand itself. But when I'm doing it for somebody else or for a different brand, it's going to be a little bit easier to be creative and open-minded. So think about different ways that you might be able to work with a brand. Of course, there's many ways that you can reach out to brands or try to partner with them. There's still sponsored ad networks, or I'm sorry, sponsored content networks that you can be a part of where you can apply to be part of certain campaigns. There's lots of different ways to go about this. And just know that there's also really creative ways that you can partner with brands and it doesn't have to look like it looked five years ago when we all did sponsored content. Now, the next revenue stream that you can consider is affiliate marketing. Again, super common knowledge. This is probably not rocket science or anything new, but when it comes to affiliate marketing, there's many different ways to approach this as well. Of course, there is Amazon. Their affiliate program is probably the most well-known. It is awesome to be able to use Amazon affiliate links because whether someone buys what you recommend or they buy something else, you are still getting the credit for that purchase, which is really nice in comparison to working directly with a company. For example, if I am promoting Thrive Market and somebody doesn't sign up for Thrive Market, I don't get that commission. But if I am promoting a tool on Amazon and then they buy something else, I'm still going to get that connection because of the cookies that are used for tracking. One downside to Amazon for affiliate marketing is that you cannot use their direct affiliate links in your email marketing. I feel like this is something that is not super well known, but you are not allowed to directly link to something in an email. However, there's many creative ways to get around this. You can create an Amazon storefront. You can also create a page on your website where you're promoting certain products. There's lots of ways to be able to still use email marketing to promote your affiliate products without breaking the terms of service from Amazon themselves. There's also companies like ShareASale. There's many other ones as well. ShareASale is just the first one that comes to mind where you can kind of look for a variety of programs to apply to and be a part of through one container like ShareASale. But this can be a great way to just search for different products that you want to use. And then lastly, you can look for the companies that you love and you're already using their products and then look for an affiliate program on their website or just Google, you know, Thrive Market Affiliate Program to be able to sign up for it directly through that company. I feel like a mix of these strategies is really helpful when you're looking at affiliate marketing. Again, like everything, it's helpful to not have all of your eggs in one basket, but to be able to kind of even diversify within affiliate marketing itself, 
who you're partnering with and how you are going about promoting those affiliate products. Of course, you can insert the links directly into your blog post, but you can also use things like email marketing, social media, those types of platforms to be able to share those links. Something that I also love to use for affiliate marketing is Tasty Links. If you're not familiar, this is a plugin where you can basically set up a link for a specific product. And then every time you mention that product in your post, it will, they say, automatically add that affiliate link directly to your blog post. There is settings within the, the plugin where you can say how often you want to link to a tool. For example, one time we had the word whisk being linked like seven times in a post because we were talking about whisking the ingredients together and things like that. So there's a lot of settings within there to kind of customize how you want these affiliate links to be added. It also has the ability to directly add a disclaimer like right after the link that says it's an affiliate link, which is really awesome. So I will link my affiliate link for this uh, plugin in the show notes so that you guys can check it out if you're not already using something like Tasty Links. But this is really handy to be able to kind of set it and forget it, but to still be able to have affiliate links being added to your content. They also have a really cool block where it's a recommended product block um, that uses your affiliate links, but it'll also pull in an image, which is another way to draw attention to that block in particular so that people are more likely to click on it and to potentially buy what it is that you're you know, suggesting. You can also add affiliate links into your recipe card. This is awesome if you are using, I think any of, Tasty Recipes may not do this, but Create definitely does this and WP Recipe Maker does this. And you can add those affiliate links right into your recipe card. And that's another great way if you have something that's more of a specialty product that someone would use. I wouldn't recommend doing something super basic, but if you are you know, doing a lemon marinade and you have a specific uh, citrus uh, juicer that you use, you can recommend that right in the recipe card, which is really handy. Okay, the next bucket of ways to diversify revenue is to think about digital products. So this can be something as simple as an ebook, but it can also be other things like a drop shipped copy of a physical printed cookbook. I really want you to open your mind when it comes to digital products to things that are going to solve a problem or a struggle that your reader has. It's so tempting to make a generic ebook, but we have found, and there's studies out there that show that people aren't actually going to use that ebook very much, especially if it's just a PDF that they're downloading on their computer. It's really hard to go back to it and reference it unless it's really of high value. So yeah, you're probably going to get them to subscribe for it, but are they actually going to use it? So when you think about digital products, think about things that solve a specific pain point or problem for your readers and how can you set them up for success by giving them access to that digital product? Digital products are probably gonna have a really low price point as well, so that entry for your readers and your audience to become a customer is gonna be much lower, but at the end of the day, it's going to add a little bit of a different revenue stream for you. That leads us right into talking about physical products. These are definitely gonna be one of the more time-intensive things to explore because whatever kind of physical product you're making, you're going to have to explore getting samples of it and figuring out, you know, what type of paper you're going to use if it's a book or what type of fabric you're going to use if it's something like a kitchen towel. But these can be really cool additions to your brand and it can really set your brand apart from other food bloggers because there's just something about seeing a food blogger with a physical product that makes you feel like, wow, they are truly an expert and they're at a different level than other food bloggers are. 
And I'm saying that as you know, a reader coming to your site, it's just a different level of expertise and it makes your business look that much higher level than maybe somebody who is an entry level food blogger. I'm not saying that everybody has to go out and have physical products, but it's just something that is different and people love tangible goods. So it doesn't have to mean just cookbooks, but a printed cookbook can be really handy if that's something that your audience is into and would enjoy. There's lots of different ways to set up drop shipping for this type of thing. There's Amazon KDP and there's other websites where you can have it, you know, print on demand basically. And for this one in particular, if you have something that your readers are always commenting about, maybe on Instagram when you use a specific tool or maybe you have a specific kitchen towel that you love, If people are already asking you questions about that, that's a good clue for you to know that that's something that they might be interested in. It doesn't have to be that your logo is on that towel or anything like that. Like maybe it's just a customized version that you have created and can sell to your readers directly. Okay, these next couple ones are gonna be a little bit more unique, I feel like, for bloggers to think about because they're not as commonly seen in the blogging space. The first is going to be one-to-one training or services. You might have never thought about doing this, but if you have a specific gift or specific set of knowledge that you could share with your readers, you could offer very limited amount of training or you know one-to-one coaching for that thing. So for example, maybe you focus on healthy meals and you are going to offer a one-to-one training to help somebody create their own meal plan for the month. Or maybe you're going to do kind of pseudo nutrition training to help them figure out how to grocery shop for healthy alternatives to the meals that they already like. It doesn't even have to be something that you have a certification in. It can really just be utilizing the knowledge you have as a food blogger to help your readers with something specific. Now, there's going to be some parameters around this. You're not going to want to go and open a thousand spots of this. And you really want to be mindful of your time This is probably not something that you would want to do forever because eventually you're going to get into a position where you are making, you're exchanging dollars for time. And we don't necessarily want to do that when we're creating a business where we want to have time freedom. However, this can be a great way to inject money into your business and to also get to know the pain points of your, of your readers at a very intimate level. When you can get on a call with somebody for 30 minutes to an hour, a few times and really get to know their struggles you are going to find you have so much knowledge that you can then put into your blog posts, your emails, all of the other ways that you serve your readers. And this can be so simple. I think people get so hung up on how to do this, but it can be as simple as emailing your list and saying, I'm looking for X number of people who want to learn X in X timeline. This is such an easy concept. I'm actually gonna link to a book by Graham Cochran who he created a book that basically is all about selling your knowledge. And it's a really easy read. It talks about at the beginning of the book how to start a business based on the knowledge that you have. But the second half of the book is all about kind of these strategies of like how to do it. It's really helpful if you feel like, I just want to teach people and I want to show people how to do this thing. That could be a really awesome revenue stream for you. The next is going to be creating a digital course. So similarly to the idea of selling consulting or coaching, This is going to be a way for you to sell your knowledge in the form of a course. Now, I would highly recommend pre-selling a course before you go and actually build it. I did this with my blocks course before we created it to make sure that people wanted it and that it was going to be useful for people. And I'm so glad that I did because it really helped me to shape the course, but also to have validation that it was something that was needed in the industry. So for you, make sure that you have 
you know, a really clear idea of what you want to do in your course, but then pre-sell it, have people actually put money down and then you create it after they buy it so that, you know, people are interested in it and they can help be sort of your beta testers. You don't really have to use that word, but they can help you along the way, build the course content to be specific to what they need. Last two ideas. The first is creating an ad free membership. A lot of people are doing this, especially bloggers with a bigger audience, but this could be something that you could do even if you have a small to medium sized audience. Essentially, the idea is you're creating an ad free experience for your readers in exchange for a monthly membership fee. That monthly membership fee is usually pretty low, but again, as your audience grows and you have more people in it, this becomes a nice cushion to your ad revenue and you're utilizing the content that you already have on your blog and you are just stripping away the ads so people can get an ad free experience. There's a lot of tech behind this, but if it's something that you want to explore, definitely research how to do this or you know, reach out to us and we can help point you in the right direction. But this is something that a lot of our clients are starting to think about as they grow their audiences and want to create that ad-free experience, especially for things where people are coming back to the same recipes over and over and over again. You could also similarly do this with something like your email marketing. I know Substack is a way that people are basically having people pay for getting their newsletter, but they're also giving them bonus content. Patreon's another way to do that. So there's many different ways to kind of approach this that are a little bit more easy to get started. But doing something like this is a great way to give your readers something that is ad free and just creates that extra pocketed revenue. The last one that I want to quickly mention, I'm not going to go into a lot of details about this, is think about hosting a virtual event like a summit. A lot of you who are listening probably remember our summit, Food Blogger Summit, that we did for many years. And it was an amazing way to grow my audience and to also make money in doing that. So if that's something that you want to explore, I will link to Krista Miller, who has an entire podcast, an entire membership, all about creating summits. And if it's something that a lot of people are interested in, I would love to have her on the podcast as well. But again, this could be a great way to serve your audience really get to know their pain points and also generate revenue while you're doing those things. So that's another great way to a different revenue stream. So there you have it, eight different ideas for diversifying your revenue streams. Again, don't feel like you need to do all of these things. I think any of us would go crazy trying to do all of these different things. What I would recommend is the one thing that stood out to you the most as I was sharing these ideas, take that and see how you can implement it in the next three to six months make a plan and figure out what it would look like for you to do this. I think this is not only going to add in some fun to your business to have a different revenue stream, but it's also going to inject cash. There's a lot of business owners out there who will tell you when they create a new offer, it immediately they're going to see a revenue jump in, you know, in their income because it is something new and exciting, but there's also just a momentum that happens when you create something new. I would love to hear which of these you are most excited to try. So again, you can go connect with me over on Instagram. It's been so fun connecting with you guys there. I'm over at Grace and Vine. So definitely go connect with me there. And until next week, friends, I'll talk soon. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I would love for you to screenshot it and share it with a friend. You can tag me on Instagram stories at Grace and Vine. For the show notes for this episode, head to thevinepodcast.com. Talk soon.